Hey guys, it's John from the Hydrated Podcast here. Just a quick one. Brad and I had a discussion a couple years back, and it was on the topic of cranking necks and cracking joints. And it's a great conversation that we have. There are some very important points that are raised, and that's what's coming at you this week. Maddie and I will be back very soon. There'll be a few little changes to the podcast as well for the next year. Lots of exciting things happening for now. This is Brad and I. Thank you so much, everybody. Have yourself a great day. Thank you very much. Us. This is the Higher Jiu-Jitsu Podcast, where everyday people build quality of life with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And we're here today. And I don't know what number podcast. We'll work that one out. But what we're doing is we're talking about Cranking necks on cranking necks and cracking joints. And it's a very interesting subject. It's one, it's based on our on our blog. Um, that's you can find it on our blog uh, on au. You just go to the blog tab. It's very, very interesting because what we do here, we, we do a martial art. We're doing Gracie Jiu Jitsu. And you've seen Gracie Jiu-Jitsu work in the UFC. Um, you know, it's a, it's a method of self-defense. The thing is, we're also doing it. High Jiu-Jitsu, what we do is we help everyday people build quality of life with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. So on the one hand, we've got like combat, and then we've got building quality of life. Within like this practice of Jiu-Jitsu, we... It's just neat, like natural. What we do is we, we're going after joints, trying to choke people. Sometimes they, they, we're cranking necks. And you just got to, there's a, a method to this and a, a way of training so that we're not uh, hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're doing this sustainably. What do you reckon? I think, well, that's exactly right. You need to be... Uh, training with the right kind of people. If you have the right people in the gym, like you said, these moves, it is combat. And maybe in a real life scenario, you would need to actually use it in like a, you know, something happened on the street. But in the gym, you need to be able to do it as well, but do it safely. Mm -hmm. And I guess that comes down to sort of what kind of atmosphere there is in the gym and how people actually do train with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's been a key focus of what you've developed throughout it. From day that I joined the gym, that was something you've always reiterated. Well, I think... You like know, playing safe. Yeah. But within the means of playing safe, we have to get to the core of this, that submissions are dangerous in their nature. Like Dangerous meaning they're there to inflict harm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm teaching. That's what I've been teaching you guys. How to, how to choke somebody out, how to control somebody, uh, and, how to, and how to hurt somebody in a way that they're impaired and they can't fight, and then you're able to survive, and you're able to keep yourself safe, you know? So, like everything, it depends on the intentions that we come in with. Mm-hmm. And the intentions have to be clear right from the beginning. And that's what I've, I've been looking to do, you know? Um, in a life-threatening situation, you do what needs to be done in order to say to stay safe as quickly as possible. If your life is at risk and you crank, crank someone's neck to maintain maintain control of them, go you. Yeah. You know, a, a life uh, a situation uh, where your life is threatened isn't fun. Mm. That's not fun at all. And in a situation like that, an extreme situation like that, you have to go to extreme measures. Mm-hmm. What happened, um, Darling Harbour? That was an extreme measure, wasn't it? I guess so. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that was a time when you had to, you would have resorted to like anything to keep yourself safe if you could have. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in a situation like that, when you're getting threatened, when you're getting beaten by a bunch of people and there's like bottles being thrown at you, man, if it's someone's neck that you got to crank uh, to keep yourself safe from there because that's, that's, your life is in danger right there. Mm. 
And that's, I guess, at that point in time, maybe if I knew how to actually defend myself properly, if I'd been doing this for longer, mm-hmm. it would have been would have been the difference probably. Otherwise, I mean, obviously avoiding the situation altogether is the way to do it. But in that circumstance, having knowing self-defense, I would have been in a much better position now than, than then. But at the same point, you say, uh, you're saying like using techniques like a neck crank um, in this situation, absolutely. But to be able to do that and know how to do that, you need to learn it in the gym. Mm-hmm. Right, but then doing it in the gym, like talking, you referred to the intention, which kind of also comes with intensity a little bit. So we definitely want to learn these moves and we use each other to do it on. And you want to learn it in a way so that it's instinctive. So when you need to do it, you can just do it and fully commit to it. Mm-hmm. But in the gym, when you learn it, the intention is different. You need to work together to do it. And mm-hmm. obviously, through the nature of it being a combat a combat sport people can get hurt and accidents do happen so that's why like the onus of learning the move practicing the move is on both people mm-hmm. with all moves not even just this just with just in general in the gym yes okay and we go back to intention so in a fight in a real fight what's your goal there to survive to survive yeah it's not it's not to win in a competition it might be to win mm-hmm. in a jiu-jitsu competition in a real life scenario, you don't think about winning the fight. You think about surviving it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what's your number one uh, goal, priority when you come to class? To learn, to prepare forever. Mm-hmm. Should that happen? I mean, all things, all other things aside, like, you know, just enjoying jiu-jitsu, that's the, the, the tail end of it is the self-defense aspect, right? Why is so it when tail you come, end? Like... I don't, well, for me personally, I don't think me coming to jiu-jitsu, the first and foremost thing is self-defense. Mm-hmm. It's like the the philosophy of jiu-jitsu itself, like that's the thing that traps people in jiu-jitsu, gets them keen on it. Yeah. And that part of it, like in our gym specifically, friends, the community that we have, that's what like keeps you there going every day. Learning self-defense is the self-development thing that does come with it along with everything else. Mm-hmm. But that all, all goes hand, all of it together goes hand in hand with like building quality of life. Yeah. And I think that's, and, and that's like the, the tail end or however you look at it, it could be the start, the tip, mm. and it could be the bottom of it, you know, mm. um, whichever way you come in. Oh, I see what you're saying, like the pyramid. Yeah. It's well, the whatever. base of it and then it builds everything else up. Yeah. But then like the, the start is self-defense, mm. you know, and that has to be like, precise and effective in order for everything else to stem from that mm. you know sometimes you look at um jiu-jitsu done like flow jiu-jitsu and that's taking the martial art out of gracie jiu-jitsu and gracie jiu-jitsu essentially is a martial art of self-defense you know so if you're looking just to flow that's almost like more more inclined to be a dance than it is a combat martial art mm-hmm. so getting to it's fine if you do that you know if some people want to um take that martial part out of our art Mm -hmm. that's fine as long as you know what you're doing if that if that's the intention yeah i see what you're saying then that's then that's awesome you know uh the dojo it's not life or death Mm, it's not that's the thing you come in here for the philosophy of jiu-jitsu for the for the lifestyle for the friends that we have in there, for the good times, for the health. And, you know, self-defense is definitely there. That's definitely a part of it. There, So the dojo, your intention is to learn. Yes. You know, and to learn how to survive in a situation, but essentially it is to learn. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so your number one priority with your training partners isn't to get out of danger as quickly as possible. It's to stay safe while simulating danger with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where the like playful that. aspect that's the, comes in. The key it. word of it is like simulating danger. Because mm-hmm. you're not really trying to put them in danger where they feel like it's a dangerous situation. You're simulating danger so that you can both learn exactly. how to defend yourself in a situation where it is not a simulation. Uh huh. Exactly. And we'd like to be right in the thick of things all the time and simulating things to a T. 
But then that's not effective either because we're going to be injuring ourselves, going to be hurting each other. Someone's going to be coming out of class without an eyeball. Like that's that's not uh, effective either mm. because what we do is we help build quality of life. You know, and if you're always getting injured when you go into training, that's not quality of life there at all. Injuries suck. Mm. Injuries suck really, really, really bad, especially the bad ones. But even the even the the small injuries, the minor ones that we don't really think about, like they affect your um, your days as well. Even days outside of the gym. Most definitely. Like it's not just the being in the gym that you can't come. It's also like it affects your other, you know, things at work. Totally. You know, um, I remember injuring my, my leg and it's my left leg where I'm pressing the clutch mm-hmm. and I couldn't drive. Yeah. And it was terrible. And that was that was a that was actually a heel hook. And there was somebody that was coming in, into the gym and, um, look, the intention wasn't um, to hurt, but the line was pretty far, like the, uh, the, red, the red zone. Right. <clears throat> they were pretty happy to be within that red zone, you know, and stay there. And then the issue is in that red zone, one millimeter off, mm. that's a snap, that's a pop, yeah. that's a crank, it's a crack. And that comes back to <clears throat> it, like if if it's a dance and it's like both people give and take and you're aware of each other and you can, you know, the onus of being like protecting you, protecting. So if you're leg locking me, it's not just about me needing to tap at the right time. And it sounds like that person that was in the red zone with you, he wasn't waiting on just you, he or she, I don't even know, but waiting on <clears throat> you to recognize when to tap. So they were waiting on just that specifically, not thinking about, oh, okay, he hasn't tapped, but he should, so I'll let go. Mm-hmm. He was trying to make you tap. Exactly. <clears throat> that was the thing. Right there, mm-hmm. he was trying to make me tap. In the dojo, am I trying to make you tap? No. You got my arm. You've extended it out. Mm-hmm. You've got your, your femurs are connected to the humerus. Your leg is down. You got your you got your foot uh, nice and tight against the head. When you're there and you you know that the arm can be broken, mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you extend, Brad? You I don't think it. so. No, because once extend? you sit back like that, <clears throat> once you sit like if you sit back in that position, <clears throat> it's already finished. If you if you extend, then it becomes you're not just there to learn; you're there to win. Mm-hmm. we're not there to win so like you can tap someone and they do tap but it's the the intention behind it if you why do you need to make them tap though because we're all there to learn together mm-hmm. it's not the tap that's like the like that's winning mm-hmm. if you're looking if you're looking for that and making them tap that's trying you trying to win but if you're there and you're not necessarily worried about the tap it happens it doesn't happen if it's not there you let go and you move on you don't force it that's being there to learn. <clears throat> Subtle difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you, what do you, do you agree with that? I love that. <clears throat> I love that. And I think, you're, like, your partner, that's my arm that you're extending, you know, or the, the white belt or the blue belt or the purple belt or whatever. You have an arm and you're going to, um, to break it. Mm-hmm. One, you're looking to tap to win. What's the other person looking to do? To tap to survive. <clears throat> like what are they bringing to the table? And a lot of the times, <clears throat> if it's a white belt arm that you have, they might not even know that yeah. their arm's about to break. You know it's about to snap. You're about to hear some, a lot of just, you hear the stretching, the stretching of the ligaments. Mm-hmm. In my very first competition, uh, the New South Wales state titles uh, at SPMA, my teachers at the time, and everybody was saying, come on, let's go, let's compete. I was like, all right. I get to this competition. I'd never seen a comp before. I go in, just this adrenaline dump. Boom. What I have, first match, can't remember the guy's name, but that was just, it was, it was madness. It was mm-hmm. chaos. He got me in an armbar. I didn't know what was going on. 
I, I was trying to pull it out, extended myself up, what we shouldn't be doing. I started, I was pulling, my, yanking my arm out. He was cranking as high as he could. I heard all these like like clicks, just like stretches, like it was just stretching mm. of my ligaments in my in my elbow. I heard things. I didn't feel anything. Took my arm out, passed. That was really fun. Like I could hardly remember what was happening there, <clears throat> but I didn't know my arm was about to break. Like that wasn't a part of my mindset at the time. And that's what <clears throat> adrenaline does. That's what panic does. That's what a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge, yeah. That's what that does. Okay. So why then are you Mr. Blue Belt? Like, why do you have the arm? Why must that arm break in order to teach <clears throat> this lesson? Mm. You know? It shouldn't. We don't need to break that arm. That arm doesn't have to be broken. What you can do is you can you can stop. You know, because it's it's your partner's right to protect themselves and to protect their joints. It is also your right to protect your partner's joints. Yeah. That's a difference there because we have respect and we have trust. Okay? I don't want to be silly. I don't want to put my joints at, um, at risk. Maybe something's happening within me and it's an... Uh, I'm being ignorant, you know, or I'm not being aware... Mm. <clears throat> onus is on me, sure. The onus is also on you to keep me safe too. Yeah. And I think that's what makes our school so so awesome. Where people won't break the arm, people won't break the leg. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll stop, like we'll get to the point, mm-hmm. but then that arm doesn't have to be broken because that's not respect. There's no respect happening there. It's not, no respect for the arm, you know, and no respect for, for each other. Mm. And notice how it was a, it's a combat martial art. Sure it is. You know, but at the same time, we're practicing in a way that we can do this for a while and we can learn from it. Poor person, like the person who got their arm broken, mm-hmm. they go home, sore arm, can't do too much the next day. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a very, very harsh lesson to learn, especially when you're not really sure of what was happening. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it, I think it goes the other way as well. So if you're a if you're a higher level person, not even necessarily higher level, you could both be at a higher level, and then obviously there's a mutual understanding on where that safe point is, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you, you understand it. But if you're a higher level person rolling with a lower level person, and they they're, they're really really new and they haven't figured that point out yet, yeah, I think you owe it to them to show them. Like so, don't don't make them tap, mm-hmm. and then you can show them and where the actual point is where like it's there and where it is so that then when they roll with other people they can show them because if you make them tap and then and it's like that's the way that you run the gym then new people come those same new people learn that that's how we do it and as they progress Mm -hmm. new people come in and they start doing it to them yeah and it's just like a vicious cycle of people coming through with that kind of approach Mm -hmm. whereas if you can show people and get them to understand where those points are then then when as they come up they can teach this other people to follow them and that's why you have a good culture in the gym in our gym because that's what's happening and that's that's thanks to you you know the the blue belt who's now blooding the white belts who come in hey you know benny come Mm. over here you know this is how we'll do it so see right now I'm extending your arm out. It's starting to hurt, right? You can feel it get tight. Oh, yeah, I can. Okay, yeah, here's the point where you should tap. You know, so you show him. Show him the way. And then in the, in the role, when he extends an arm, you know, you could tap to that. You know, because what we're looking at doing, and this is the beautiful thing about this, we talk about catch and release. The beauty of these submissions is that you want to get to the point where you're in control of the entire position. You're in control of the limb. And you don't have the... It's not like there's a time limit to how quickly you can extend and apply this submission. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got the arm. That's like, if you look at an arm, but okay, I'm stuck, I've got this arm. The last part is the, is the break, is the extension of the hips. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the part that we're talking about. It comes... I think it also comes with... If you get to that point and you do make someone tap right, you stop and then you start again and then you keep going. But if you, like you said, if you catch and release in a roll, 
you you roll, you get to the position, you catch, you release, you move on, and then you start working on transitioning to like what's next. Mm-hmm. And that like when as you develop in jiu-jitsu and you're going from or you're just improving, it's the transitions that really separate the difference between like levels of people. Not necessarily can you lock the arm when they tap your reset. You got to be able to move through positions and chain things together, and that's when your jiu-jitsu gets better. So mm-hmm. making them tap and then resetting, even though you might have got a tap, you're still doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah. You're not giving yourself the opportunity to to catch, release, transition into the next position, and then from there, like, and then it keeps things moving, and yeah. overall, you get more from that. Most definitely, <clears throat> and the, the person doesn't have uh, crank joints. Mm. You both get more from it, not uh, just yourself, but yeah. you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. This is something that uh, Faraz Zahabi was saying on a podcast. I don't know if it was maybe the one on Joe Rogan. Actually, I think he had a video on YouTube. He's got a few really good videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about when in his gym, I guess in TriStar, um, when they go to apply heel hooks, they also just do like a, like a, a catch. Mm-hmm. And then he says that he wants to look for a sweep from that position. Ah. So you take that point of control where it could have been a break, but instead you go to a, a sweep. So in that way, you haven't really halted. And like you're saying, you can flow into it. Yeah. And you can go to the next move and the next move and the next move. And the more I've been training jiu-jitsu, and now like, man, being in Brazil for those 10 days mm-hmm. and just seeing Professor every day, and just, he was he was on fire. He'd, but the way the thing that I loved most was he'd show an escape, you know, he'd show a sweep, and then he'd go to the next move and then the next move, yeah, just to, just to play. Yeah. But I think that's very effective at the same time because it help, it helps to show that, like you're saying, this is a continuous process. Yeah. Like it doesn't things don't stop at this escape. Yeah. Things continue, and if you don't do the right things next, then you might as well end up back where you were you know so for example like uh what we did today in class on saturday uh when you pass the side control you have to control the knee hip Mm -hmm. control the knee hip i always say that because uh that's the common common thing everyone's looking to come in to get the guard but if you put the hand down you block that near side and they can't bring the knee through Mm -hmm. set up the, the recovery yeah today's class was really good I like, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I rolled, uh, I said to you before, um, after class when the fundamentals were, was it the open rank, no gi finished, and I rolled, was it like half an hour? I, I think, I swear I rolled with Johnny Marr for like yeah, half yeah. an hour. And we were playing like that kind of catch and release, like, you know, not necessarily going for leg locks and, sorry, leg, a heel hook and then a sweep, but we were not trying to get the tap. Mm-hmm. We are just playing around moves. And a lot of it was we were defending each other's attempts, which is why it kept it going. Yeah. But it was also like at a really good, good pace, and like we it was continuous. And then half an hour ended, and we were just talking and like not even, like puffed. Wow, that's half an hour of training right there. Yeah, and it was, and I like looked at the clock, and I was like, Jesus, we've gone for like half an hour. Sore now? Hey, sore? Not at all. No, mm-hmm. no. But I was looking around the gym when we finished, and sore there was joints. still other people going. Uh huh. No, no sore joints. Man, well, no forcing. Yeah, it's well, good. that's that's beautiful. And tomorrow you could wake up. And jump straight in there again. Mm. But if something did get extended, like would have tapped, mm-hmm. then I'd be back on Monday. Yeah, it's a smart That's way of thing. doing it. Yeah. It's really smart. And the, and I trust him equally too. You mm-hmm. know, like and, and everyone in our gym because he's not he's not going to make that happen. He's not going to make me tap. It's not like that. So that, you mm-hmm. know, both people working together. That's it, my man. It's trust. It's respect. And these are these are pillars, because if. We, we do, it's so funny, like when other people think about, when we tell uh, people who don't do jiu-jitsu, like when we show them like a, a crank, or like a choke or, or an arm bar or something, like it's just so foreign to them. Yeah. They're like, why would you ever want to have somebody choke you and, you know, uh, put your limbs in danger? But it's, it's that respect and it's that trust and it's that tap rule, it's just no tap. Tap. I'll tap way before the point of injury and we'll be fine. And that's how we can come in every day and hang out, you know, with, and train for 30 minutes with Johnny Ma and, and, and enjoy 
our days with jiu-jitsu. And then it'll finish, jiu-jitsu will finish on a Friday at 8.30 and we'll go out together and have a drink. How like, cool is that? Yeah. Dinner. We don't have and to limp there, you know, like, and I mean, <laughs> look, we all just... been like simulating murder for yeah, like two exactly. hours, simulating murder and then we're just sitting at the dinner table having wine. Yeah. <laughs> like, and casual conversations. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, it's funny because like, it's with the people that you simulate murder, you know, you, you, we're trying to kill each other. I was saying, um, uh, last night I was saying to, around the people at the table I was at, I feel like I'm way physically more closer with both the men and the women in the gym, like on a physical level, mm-hmm. than I am with like any of my own friends or even other than girlfriends, ex-girlfriends. You're just way closer with jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu people because of the close distance of what you did, the nature of the sport. Yeah. Your like, uh, personal barrier mm-hmm. has been broken down by those people. Yeah, yeah. And I notice, I've noticed like we, when we all stand and talk in a group, we stand a lot closer together than I do with my mates who I never trained with. Oh, right. There's like the, just that personal space. Yeah, well, there you go. That, Have you ever noticed that? Um, not really, eh? But yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense because we're in each other's faces and You think, think about this, everywhere. like outside of jiu-jitsu, mm. outside of jiu-jitsu, when was the last time you were physically that close like with another guy? Like, you probably wouldn't have been. We're, like, fully wrapped up against each you. other on the ground. Yeah. Like, rolling around. Uh-huh. Well, I go to show my, my mates that don't train. Mm. I go to show them a T position. And they're like, get the fuck off me. <laughs> like, it's I, so funny. Like, they're not used to that. Like, having a chest, another man's chest on your chest and his hips by your hips. Yeah. Uh, it's But, look, the thing is, if they're trying to throw punches, if someone's, like, trying to come in and strike me, like, that's where that's where you're going. Yeah. Like, that's where you're safe. And that's the that's the like the the position that I think I think it, it, it is a uh, like a lump like a hump where it takes some time to get used to this stuff. It mm. takes time to have somebody's sweat the un- drop on you and then be kind of okay with it. The uncomfortable becomes comfortable. Yeah, and that's the that's the um, quality of life that you're building with doing this because you think about in the real world, like in your careers and things like that, you you progress to a point where like what you're doing becomes really difficult and it's hard to do it and it challenges you, mm-hmm. right? And the the being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable outside like in jiu-jitsu helps people like that break through that pressure, that barrier at work that they otherwise might not have had the uh, fortitude or mm-hmm. mental mental strength to be able to do. Mm-hmm. They get through it, and then all of a sudden, that that level of difficulty is like okay with them, and then they level up even more. Yeah, that's I, the quality of life. That. I love that. That's what this is. It is, and the thing is, like, uh, like becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. You also you can manage the uncomfortable. Mm. You know, so here's the difference. Okay, we know that we've said that jujitsu helps you build quality of life. It gives you all these amazing benefits. The thing is, it would still be a no-no if a person who has never done jiu-jitsu before goes into an academy and starts getting neck cramped. Yeah. And starts getting bashed and goes into a fight club and hates it. Let, let me ask you so something. Fight clubs aren't fun. They're not fun at all. So what we want to do is manage that discomfort. Women's only class. Love women's only class. It was such a great idea mm. because there's a lot of jiu-jitsu is for women. Like jiu-jitsu, women are the smaller people, okay, and they're often attacked by the bigger, stronger people. Mm-hmm. Just how it is currently, you know. And that women's only class, we've got so many girls coming in, and it's so awesome. They're all so enthusiastic because they don't have like heavy dudes like me and you, like bearing on top of them and sweating on top of them because that's what they see. Mm. And they don't like that, and it's like it's. Um, I wouldn't like that. You know, I started just when I was 18. I'd been training. I was really strong. Um, I loved the UFC. I was ready for it. Yeah. You too. How old um, were you when you started? Uh, Jiu-jitsu. Uh, 25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're ready for it, like having played like footy and like yeah. physical sports yeah. all my life. When I come to Jiu-jitsu, I just kind of was like ready for it. We're young, mm-hmm. young, fit, healthy people with mm-hmm. an able body. Yep. No, well, it, we're more than that. We're like we're strong guys, 
compared to like the, the smaller people, mm. you know, the older people, you know, we're strong and we have, we have a lot of like um, power, we're flexible, you know. So what about jiu-jitsu is also for the 50-year-old lady, you know. And 50-year-old man. Yeah, exactly. You know, but these, like, they don't want to get their joints cranked. I don't want to get my joints cranked. Mm. I don't want to have to go home not being able to press my clutch because my knee's been talked too hard, you know. Let Uh, let me (laughs) ask you something. I understand where you're coming from. Let me ask you a question. How do you, so how do you then, because in our gym, obviously, people kind of, everyone understands how these things work. But if you're, obviously, you have an academy, you have a gym, and you go around the street, and the people that you want to get into jiu-jitsu to, to see how good it is, we already know. We do it with you. Like mm-hmm. We know. Our people in our gym know. But what about the everyday person on the street? If someone sees your flyer and goes, oh, tell me a little bit more about this, and you're like, oh, it's jiu-jitsu, and they say, oh, no, I don't want to get choked. I don't want to get, you know. How do you make them interested? How do you make them understand that they'll be safe? Well, I think we have to share it in a way that um, helps people realize uh, what can happen as a result of it. And as I was saying before, manage manage the level of discomfort that they will face. Mm. So, because the thing is, like, it's we're working with people's prior conceptions of jiu-jitsu as well. Exactly. That's more where I was getting at. Yeah. They've already got that. Yeah. perception of what it is how do you break that barrier down not physically by showing them in the class but in person outside with a flyer in your hand what do you tell them mm-hmm. to get them to be open to it yeah I mean well that's what we're that's what we're trying to do and so the everyday people you know like really um, we're trying to we are talking to them you know because that's who we are and that's what um that's who I think will, works best at, at our academy. You know, people who are ready to come in, who are uh, who want to learn, and who are curious, curious about the mechanics of this martial art. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're, we're not the Fight Club, and I think a lot of people are intimidated by the Fight Club, and rightfully so. You know, I think- rightfully so. But I, I think, like, if we um, just like share, just uh, make people aware of the fact that we're more like a lab, I feel, than a gym. Mm. That's what Professor says all the time. We're going to be more like a laboratory than a gymnasium. Yeah. You know, in the gym, it's synonymous with like sweating and training hard, you know, um, pushing and, you know, fierce willpower. A lab is people with the coats and the glasses on. Yeah. And they're scientists. testing hypotheses. Yeah, 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 yeah they're yeah, scientists. Yeah. I like that. That's really nice. <laughs> but that's what we—that's the jiu-jitsu that we're practicing there. We're practicing that way. Yeah. You know, and if um, people are aware of that, I think that becomes a lot more interesting. Mm. And you see it in uh, people who come to our gym that haven't trained there before, and if they've trained somewhere else, they may come in with that fight club type thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. If maybe their gym wasn't, but a bit more like that. And then they figure out pretty quickly that, like, people, it is a little bit of a laboratory. Mm-hmm. And you see people, like, they kind of realise and then they kind of become that. Yeah. And that's that's habit as well. Mm-hmm. And there are, like, a lot of awesome people in our school that have trained before and who aren't keen anymore. Maybe they've gotten older, gotten a few injuries, and they realise, wow, if I if I keep fighting, it's, it's me, Brad. Mm-hmm. Like. Man, I messed up my shoulder really, really bad. If I kept going the way I was going previously, competing all the time, training really hard, no way I would have been able to do this. Mm. No way. And thank, thankfully, Professor came in and said, "No, you got to play jiu-jitsu, play mm. and like practice this for fun and enjoy it." And I think that that's the difference right there. You know. Does he, how, can you tell me a little bit more about um, Pedro? More has, uh, while you're in Brazil, can you share anything, like any of his conversations or any of his stories? Oh, the professor. Well, because um, it's always interesting to hear him speak, but to be told like what he said as well. Yeah, I mean, there were just some, some really phenomenal conversations we're having on the mats. 
And the beautiful thing was that the conversations were intertwined with technique and with practice. Mm-hmm. And there was one thing, I'll tell you, it was, it was so funny because we had the professor there, but we had all of his childhood mates from around the neighborhood mm. who also like, one of them, um, Eduardo Mano, was like a red and black belt. He was a, we had Bauru, who was a black belt as well. We had Nene. Um, and all these guys are just going around mm. and we have the professor Pedro Sawa on the mat and uh, he's, he's, he's the master, he's a wizard. He's sharing the most amazing things and all of his mates are just talking over him. <laughs> talking this, talking that, nah, that won't work. What are we doing over here? Um, and then professor would just sit, yeah, 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 okay, come, show me, show me. Yeah. And that's what he'd say. And he'd be like, and then Bauru would always, it was like full loud mouth, so funny, I love that guy. Uh, what he was saying was like, he was trying to teach something and then Professor goes, oh yeah, okay, what about this? And he showed him this and Bauru just goes, oh, yep, yep. And then Professor's like, fuck, he's like, if Bauru says yep, he's like, this is a good technique, it's all right, <laughs> let's practice this. Just, so just like an open book. Yeah. Like just fully, like just total open book. So not worried about being challenged or questioned or still in the lab, he's still got the code on. Still got the code on, you know. Um, and another beautiful situation and a cool story to share and that works with this was when we were at Gracie Hall like that. Mm-hmm. And I was there, I had, I had the bandage on my ear because my ear was like a balloon and Holker didn't want me to train. I said, oh, no. Please, Professor, like, I just want to trade. It's okay, I'll deal with it later. And then, so we're there and they lined us all up. So there was, like, two rooms that were full. One room he separated was, like, the black belts and the brown belts. And the other room was the whites, the purples. Right. And then he matched every one of us up. And he was like, all right, Brazilians over this side, Americans over this side. Even though we're Australian, he just, he didn't, he didn't care. Uh, so pitted us up there and then professor walks around and goes guys they're gonna come at you hard he's like go after them he's like go get them and then drake is this guy who lives in seattle his face just like light like just uh light it up it's like oh awesome and it was just so much fun but like when the professor wants to go yeah he goes and he can go but the only reason why he can go like that at the age of 60 is because he's he's played for all these times and all these years beforehand. Because mm. that guy is injured. And he's learned from experience, if anybody has. He's messed up. Shoulders are messed up. Uh, knees are messed up. But he's still there. He's still on the mats. He's still practicing. He's still playing. And when it comes down to it, he can go. And I think that's so important, Brad. So what we're saying on cranking necks and cracking joints we're not taking away the effectiveness of the martial art. The martial art has to remain absolutely effective, the most effective. It works, you know, but we just have to, we have to treat it with respect. But when it comes down to it, did you see the professor's video uh, with Phil in Left Garda? No, I don't think uh, so. Um, well, it's like it's been downloaded like so many times. Uh, it's where one, one of these, like, this um, annoying guy off the, off the street uh, was it was like a really busy um, area and he goes up to the professor's daughter and he grabs a boob yeah. and he just squeezes it and gropes it and then like she started crying professor goes oh what happened what happened she's like oh that guy groped me they, they saw him professor Phil go up and then like Phil's there like the like the boss and then professor comes in, he goes, hey, he goes, you know, what'd you do to the what'd you do to my daughter? Say sorry, say sorry. And he grabs his wrist and he just goes, clack. It just cranks on it. And he said it, he's like, oh, I broke the wrist for sure, because like he just really he, like cracked hard. Um, and then the guy goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and then and then they took him to the daughter, he said sorry to the daughter, and then Professor comes in with another punch, boom, in the guts. And the guy's like on his on his haunches, like, oh, I'm sorry, with a b- broken wrist. And then they ask the professor, they go, wait, wh- why did you go after this guy? Like, you know, we talk about self-defense and we talk about avoiding situations. Mm-hmm. 
And the professor said, hey, okay, avoid situations, but sometimes you have to stand up for certain things. Mm. He's like, I didn't want my daughter to have that memory of this man in her head for the rest of her life. Mm. I, I wanted my daughter to see this man crying and pleading uh, and apologizing. That's what I wanted. Like, I, I, And I thought, wow, that's like, that's huge. Because there are some things that you have to stand up for. You know? and, and there might be some times where you do have to break that arm, where you do have to put the person to sleep. You know, and, and it's not a, you don't always learn in jujitsu. You talk about learning it for self defense, but it's not even for just defense of your, of yourself. It's to be able to defend other people. Maybe that happens. Maybe as much. Yeah, Danny's going to come on on our podcast, and he's going to talk to us about the story that he had. Uh, I think he was in Crow's Nest. Mm. I'll, I'll let him talk more about it. But in a nutshell, um, he saw a really drunken guy um, picking on two girls. And he saw the need to step in there because those two girls are in danger. Yeah. So he started speaking to the to the drunken guy, took him away from the girls. Um, drunken guy was getting aggressive on him. Basics, hands were up. Uh, technical base, okay, knew what was happening, was aware of his surroundings. Absolutely beautiful. If Danny didn't have the skills of what we do, Danny might have been too scared to come up to that guy. Mm-hmm. and to bring attention onto himself. So Danny having those skills meant that he was helping somebody else as well. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to have Danny on and just to, to hear more about it and, like, and um, not like even, what he was feeling. Not even just helping the girls out as well, helping the guy out. Had he have been someone else and didn't understand what we do, mm-hmm. he might have thrown a punch, could have yeah. ended off way worse. Yeah. But instead, at the end of the day, Danny went home he yep. was okay. Yep. The girls went home. They were okay. Yep. And that old man went home and he was okay. Yes. Yes. All because of how Danny handled the situation. Exactly. Yes. And that's how, <laughs> and that's the self-defense mindset. But you, in a self-defense mindset, you're not always in your shell. That can't always happen. Sometimes you have to go forward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a time and place to go forward. You know, and that's... But you're always there... Uh, that self def- self defense mindset is always there, even in attack. You yeah. know, because the whole point is to survive. That's essentially what we want. So understanding how these submissions work is the way to learn how to defend yourself against them. We're after effectiveness. Effectiveness is what we want. I want to know what a heel hook is, not so I can break your leg. Okay, but how to defend myself against the heel hooks? Mm-hmm. Because that's me. That's self defense again. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want myself to be vulnerable. So we need to practice these things. I don't want. Let's say tomorrow you go into a. This is for example. Um, you know, you go into a grappling tournament and the rules are different, and now there's heel hooks. Mm-hmm. So now someone's going to come in. Um, and is very effective with heel hooks. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have to be well versed in everything, everything, because like, and we have to know how how to apply a crank, so that when we're in jeopardy, we understand what a crank is all about. We're practicing the mechanics. We're learning mechanics, and that's what's so beautiful about practicing under the professor. That we're always getting to the bottom of how things work, mm-hmm. of how the heel hook works, of how the armbar works. So that we can build on that control, that control that comes just before the break. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to like really, really sharpen. The break, we'll leave that aside for the moment. But we have to know how all of these submissions work, and how all of our joints work. You know, so that we can uh, keep them safe, mm-hmm. and so that we can manipulate the opponent's joints. It's this. It's this, the, the word there that sticks out to me is control, mm-hmm. because. The break, oh, sorry, like a, a tap or a break or a choke, the getting that successfully all comes down to the control that you had prior. It's the control that is the really the thing that matters, not only to be able to get the finish, mm-hmm. if you're in a competition or self-defense situation, you got the control, yeah. you can get the finish. But in this in an environment in the gym, like where you're around friends, you've got the control but you can go the other way as well. Yeah. You get to decide that you're not going to finish because you have the control. 
Mm-hmm. And you think like you see new people who train and maybe they don't have the same understanding on what point the neck is cranking. So yeah. with their moves, they don't have the control. And if you have two people in the same situation, like they're both new. That's yeah. where there's like, there can be injuries. Yeah. And that's all scramble. Mm. It's just scramble and transition like everywhere because there's no understanding of what control is. Mm. And that's why like, um, yes, I really want to get what like, I want to be well-versed on the transition, mm-hmm. but I also want to know how to avoid the transition by maintaining control Yes, the whole time and being a step ahead of the transition and knowing exactly where I'm going when the transition is happening. You know what I mean? So yeah. that way it's not just a scramble with 50-50 situations. Yeah. Instead, it's I know exactly how to move forward and how to, and how to um, move to the next position, the yeah. next dominant spot. Um. And I think that's really cool. Uh, professor, there's something else that the professor said, and I think that's it holds such a big uh, spot here, and that is 50% of your brain is within you in a role, and 50% is in the other person. So when I'm training, when we're, when we're rolling together, I'm feeling what I'm doing, how I'm connecting to the to the ground, mm-hmm. where my weight is, how how I'm structured, the length of my spine, where where I'm connecting to you, and the other fifty percent of my brain is on what you're doing. Where are you connected? You know, what are you thinking? How how are you breathing? Uh, what's your next move going to be? I think that's really interesting because sometimes we get so worked up in our own thing and that the other, like, as you're working yourself out, the other person has just moved and then um, you find you found yourself in just a really bad position. There's, it's interesting how there's, so, there's actually so much happening in your brain that you don't even realise in a role because it's like it's all happening but it's not, they're not conscious decisions that you're making. It's, it's your brain is thinking about these things and your body is just doing them. Yeah, and but the brain, like for example, if someone is like if you're doing a move, right? It might be the armbar, and when you you know when you're bringing your leg around and mm-hmm. try, then you're going to sit. Like you're thinking, it's not just about the action of doing that. It's about all the little details of where your weight are and all these things that you're naturally doing. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking about while you do it. Like it, there's a lot going on. Yeah, and you're like you said, thinking about the other person as well at the same time. At the same time, there's only so much like, thinking that you can do. Yeah, but it just seems to happen. And that's mm-hmm. your, the autopilot of your body, just your brain's ticking. The, it's kind of like changing through the gears as you move through the moves and hit all, each of those little, like that that detail one, then the next point, detail two. They're yeah. all like gear changes and you, you're doing it smoothly though. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you can get to the automatic, you know, and that's when it's just all so seamless. Dun, dun, dun. But then, you know, at the same time, when I first started driving manual, clutch control was terrible. Clunk, clunking, clunking the gears. Your <laughs> <laughs> gearbox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was ugly. You know, and then slowly you start to learn your, your clutch, you know, where you have to pull that out and press the accelerator. And you start to work the, the gearbox and start to make uh, much smoother transitions. And I think that's really important. And I think the, the, the manual car is... In, is uh, you controlling your speed. And if you only have one speed, and that's like you're always in first gear, you're not going to go very far. Yeah. You know, it's just too powerful. It's or just, even almost if you're always in fifth gear. Or if you're always in fifth gear, then you're not going to go too far either. Because it's like, if, if you're only in, if you're always in one gear, how much control do you really have? You don't. You don't have control. If you, if you, only, if you only have one gear, is that... That's you not being able to choose between anything else. Mm, exactly. You only have one option. You're only doing one thing. It's like a machine. That's what a machine does. A machine doesn't have any um, conscious decision making. You know, like it's it's just there. It does what it's supposed to do and that's it. Mm. Uh, when you're free on the mats, it's not either or. Because you don't want it to be a conscious decision. Well... Once you have three, at least three speeds, mm. you know, you've got a low speed, a medium speed, a high speed, 
and then you can choose between the two, you know, and you can seamlessly go up, down, up again. Yeah. According to who you're training with, according to how you're feeling, according to how they're feeling. Yeah. According to what the intention is. Now, sometimes the intention in, in our in our school, you know, before a grappling industries, we had about the last one. There was like about eight people competing. Yeah, it was, was awesome. Few, it was the most that anyone yeah. competed on one day. It was good. It was yeah. It was really fun. Um, just to see everyone go at it. And, you know, the couple weeks before that, I have to be very, very careful because we have a beautiful fundamentals program and I don't want any little bit of, like, competition to get in that because that's not, like, the the ethos of Mm. what we do. But, you know, in the open rank, we were going a little bit more um, intense. Yeah. You're tailoring it towards that competition. And um, not to the point where other people drowned, like, not at all but also to the point where um, people get to feel something a little bit different. Mm. And that's where you start to develop the other gears. Can't always be at the low gear, you know, and we're not, we're not always at the medium gear, you know. Sometimes, sometimes there is a high gear. Sometimes, like, you've got to go. Mm. And it's, it's important that we practice that. And it's important that we always have, uh, we're always sensible around that. You know, and even when you're at a high, high intensity, like, your brain is there still. You're still, we still have the ability to feel you know and the capacity to decide you know because sometimes if you're in one gear and you get an arm bar and your, your brain is programmed pull down on the arm extend the hips break this arm yeah you know and then oh before you know oh no I'm so sorry and you've got no training partners yeah <laughs> well that's what happens you mow them all down you need to have that ability because otherwise we're robots and we all want to be robots you know we want to we want to uh, be able to decide for ourselves and discern, you know, when to go forward, when to stay, you know. Sometimes you've got to go back. Yeah, when to retreat. And that's how Benny Matthews, Benny, is like 16, 17. I think he's, I think he just turned 16. And he started with us. He's like very, very light, uh, skinny. Mm-hmm. Man, the technique that this kid's built. How long has he been training with us? About three, four months. About that, yeah. Comes twice a week. The moment he gets time off his uh, school sports, he's in, the, he's in the dojo training with us. And no one was going really hard on Benny initially. No. We were just helping him up. He was one of the first people where um, you started implementing if you didn't have a stripe, like don't roll. Yeah. He made him sit out and watch a bit. Yeah. For the first bit. Yeah. Now he's like on the mats. Well, I think that's hunting. What, <laughs> hunting, yes. And now he's at a point where he's comfortable. So we manage that discomfort mm. because Benny to come in straight off the bat and go up against you, he's got no skills. Yeah. What do we? What do you expect him to do other than freak out? And even, but not even just, you know, we know he's going to be safe with us because we know how we roll and mm-hmm. we look after it. But he doesn't know that when mm-hmm. he first comes and starts. Like he he doesn't trust you yet. Yep, and exactly. so he's like, see, would see me as like someone who's a threat, yeah, probably, especially yeah. at a young age like that. Yeah, but then, and we give him the time, and we give him the uh, like the space to warm, yeah, to to the room, to us, to the martial art, to the the feeling of being choked, the feeling of getting caught in arm bars, the feeling of connecting to someone, and then it's like a flower, you know, like. If you douse it full of water, yeah. you're gonna kill the thing. So you give it a little bit, a little bit at a time, you know. And that's that's how I feel like we're setting Benny up for a life of just beautiful training. Yeah, you know, effective as well. His bridge and roll was awesome. Like I was, I was playing, and then he he just grabbed my arm. He locked it. The foot came over. The sole of the foot, not even like sole of the foot on the ground, mm. sole of the foot on my foot, okay, Beautiful. knee to the side, hips forward, head back. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, wow. Proud moment. So proud. I was like, <laughs> Man, so beautiful. You know, and uh, um, I'm just like thankful to everybody. And to be honest, the last couple of weeks, just class has been magical. Mm. It always is magical, but it just, I really feel like the, the quality and um, the camaraderie and the community is just is always building 
we're always going higher, Brad. Mm. It's just going higher. Like, I really feel that. Like, people are just getting warmer with each other. People are understanding each other a lot more. You were talking about before, you know, having other students that come in. We've had a few students from other schools come in, mm. you know, and I feel like it definitely is a transition period because a lot of the times uh, people who are used to one thing come to another situation and... I think that's what's applied. That, well, that is what it applies. That's what it applies, but they're not. that's not what they're doing and there's a need to change. Mm. You need to change, you know, because we don't... I really like our the way we train is unique. Just like every gym is unique, so you always have to adapt to the environment. And ours is like especially different, where uh, we're not we don't try to hurt each other, you know. And it's a it's a really uh, I feel like the trust and the respect we have is really really high, mm-hmm. you know, way higher than a lot of other places that I've been to. And again, like I'm super proud of that. And um, I think uh, with those people, it just takes time. And they, the people coming in from different schools, I think just have to be patient because that change process, like it's slow, it's gradual, but it's there. Yeah. You know, and if you stay curious and if you stay not even enthusiastic, sometimes sometimes you lose a bit of enthusiasm. You know, you can't always be super enthusiastic. Mm. But if you... If you know what's good for you in the long term, mm-hmm. you know that can get you through the points where you're not as enthusiastic. Because discomfort, comfort, change isn't comfortable. Yeah, it's discomfort. It's not, man. It's uncomfortable. Like it's you'd much rather do what you're used to doing. But sometimes that doesn't become effective anymore. So you have to make the change. And it's been interesting to see how certain people have transitioned in our academy. You know, and how some people have been willing to adapt to that and yeah. some people like kind of haven't. Well, it goes with the saying that I think the people who are in the gym and have come, if they've come from somewhere else, um, the people that have, that have changed and adapted are the people that are still here. And the ones that aren't willing to or don't are the ones that, the, yeah. that will not stay. And that's And that's, and that's why having... having you know, those people leave and the other people stay is why our gym is consistent in its culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And who was it that I was talking to? They were saying, I was talking about their, their marriage and their relationship and they were saying, if I, you, you don't ever want to feel like you're stuck in it. You always want to, you want to be in it. You want yeah. to be with it. And, you know, I'd love for every student of our academy to just want to be there, not feel like they have to be there for any reason, but they, they want to. Yeah. And I want every, I want everybody's training to feel like they're being pulled into class, you know, that there's something like I really want to go to that jiu to yeah. as distinct from, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to go to class, I'm going to get beaten up, uh, I'm going to be super tired. I have this story from somebody, look, an older person um, training at a different school and when they go home, this guy, he can't sleep of a night time. He's spewing. Like every time he comes home from, from training, he's spewing his guts up. Can't mm. eat, can hardly sleep. Just the adrenaline? Well, it's just the adrenaline dump like every night and it's late. Sometimes class can finish late. And so a lot of the times, you know, uh, we're coming up with a sleep podcast soon mm. and that will talk about different ways of uh, improving your sleep uh, to improve your jiu-jitsu and your performance and, and health and life. Uh, getting yourself super worked up, that's no good for uh, proper sleep, especially at night. Mm. You know, and uh, I think that can be really, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Especially if it starts to affect other um, aspects of your life in a negative way, like work and things like that. Yeah. And then work, if work's being affected, then you finish work and maybe that's why you're coming in and not if you're not wanting to be in there. Mm-hmm. It's because maybe it all comes down to like your sleep. That's a very, very big part of it. Sleep is such a big topic and that's why I'm really excited to do that podcast. It'll be awesome. You know, Brad, this journey, it involves mistakes. We all make them. And if your training environment is a healthy one, mistakes are encouraged as ways to make improvements on your current ability. And if you learn, if you are to learn from these mistakes, you ought to be made aware of them. 
tap the guy. Because here's the here's the issue here when you only it was like one of your one of your friends um, that that came down. Mark. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. I was having a chat to him, and he was saying like within his gym, it's like they don't really focus too much on the submission. Like it's a lot more flowy, mm-hmm. and I love that. And I, I'm such a like a, a fan of movement mm-hmm. in like in all different forms. And the thing is, if you're not moving uh, in the right way and you're getting caught all the time, you jiu-jitsu, like you need to improve on that. So if the submission isn't there, then the, the opportunity to learn isn't there either. Because yes, submitting, like sometimes you don't, sometimes you, tapping isn't fun, but yeah. you got caught, you know, you got to tap. And if we're too lax and too soft on, on that and just let everybody escape from everything all the time, then you develop bad habits because there's no consequence. Yeah. But we have to determine the consequence and the consequence can't be one that's super serious. Yeah. To the break. Yeah. But you have to be made aware. Sure, man, you just made a mistake. You just got caught. You know, so then it's more. it becomes a lot about the culture too. Like I don't always, um, I don't think any, not many students would know about this blog post and catch and release and the tag and release concept. Like mm. it's not something I make super clear, but I don't think it's something that I have to make very clear because it's inherent in the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, people, all you're doing is putting a label on something that's already being done. It's already if being done. If you call it catch and release or tag yeah. and release. And then we just make it or make just, people aware. You're of just lab- labeling what you're already uh, put into the gym. Yeah. And that's the beauty of this podcast. Hopefully it helps like our students come in. And that's what I want from this podcast. I just want uh, people to come in and people who listen to this to be able to improve on how they train, you know, and how uh, they can use Gracie Jiu-Jitsu as a way to help them build quality of life. That's what I want from this podcast, from this conversation, from um, all of our blog posts and uh, our time on the mats and everything that we do. Because... What was Leon saying what, uh, on the podcast that you did with Leon? Uh, it all starts and ends with jits. Yeah. Oh, you want to explain that? Yeah. Uh, that sounded awesome. It all starts and ends with jits. Oh, geez, I'm trying to remember what he was yeah. saying. Now. He, he said a lot. Leon, Leon does say a lot. But it was really, it was awesome. What, he, what I got from that was... He says, like, we're using jiu-jitsu as a way to improve ourselves. Oh, right. Yeah, you, you have know? to explain Whereas that. Whereas you can use, a lot of people use um, yoga as a way to, to improve on their lives. Sorry, yeah, I've got you. So what what, what uh, Leon was saying to me was that, obviously, higher jiu-jitsu is all about building quality of life. And Leon was saying, we come to jiu-jitsu and we learn self-defense and we practice on each other and things like that in the gym. And that's, and like, obviously it's the jiu-jitsu is the product that we have, mm-hmm. but the whole entire gym itself is not around just that. It's around building quality of life. And we just happen to, to build quality of life through jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. But, the, but it's not about the jiu-jitsu itself. It's about building quality of life. And that's so beautiful. You know, and uh, it's, it's a medium, you know, and you use that as a medium in order to have a great time. And... I think the the risk of injury keeps so many people away from the jiu-jitsu mats. It's an unfortunate reality considering just how beneficial the practice can be. So if we, if higher jiu-jitsu can help maybe mold the aware, the perception of what Gracie jiu-jitsu is, of what BJJ is, whatever you want to call it, like this martial art, this practice that we do, if high jiu-jitsu can be uh, more accessible to the everyday person, mm-hmm. you know, to the person who isn't super strong already and super coordinated already and um, who isn't willing to fight, uh, high jiu-jitsu is still for you because we can, we can help. We're not going to hurt you. We won't hurt you. We'll help you learn. You'll learn about how to use your body in a way that you won't be getting uh, not only submitted on the mats, okay, but it, but intimidated and threatened and being uh, put in danger off the mats. That's what we want. So 
uh, if we can manage how we train, we can welcome many more people to our martial art and we can enjoy it for a lifetime. Anything else to add, Mr. Brad? I think we're done, man. That was a great podcast. It was good fun. Thank you so much. I like the idea of you, um, I will say, I like the idea of um, you having other people from the gym in it, on the podcast mm-hmm. because I think it's good to hear other people's perspectives as well mm-hmm. and having and, and like everyone's going to be interested to hear each other and sometimes some people are more outgoing than others but it's going to be good to hear the voice of someone who maybe doesn't speak up as much yeah and you'll be able to see where they come from mm-hmm. and I think on what I, what I like the idea of what Leon said about building quality of life, life and choosing to do it with jiu-jitsu he's summarizing the mission statement of what the gym is but he's not saying it in that way. He's actually saying saying it from his understanding of why we do jiu-jitsu. And that's just a testament to how you run your academy because that's now his philosophy behind it. So you're so basically you're achieving your mission statement because of people like Leon. It's being lived. That's yes. what it's sort it's sort of there so for. What I'm saying is like what you want to achieve from this is already being achieved. Mm-hmm. And, and he's just he's just speaking what other people haven't said out loud, but but everyone feels that way. Of course, man, I love that. I love to hear that, and I love because that's what I, that's what it's there for. It's there to be lived, and in amongst all these things that we have to do, or showing what to do with before, mm. uh, as long as we keep the intention clear, as we're saying at the start of this podcast, once you understand the intention, then you can go forth and act in a way that's not that that works with that mm-hmm. you know and if we know where we want to go we can get there so much love man um, thanks for doing this you're very welcome see you on the other side thanks for listening to the higher jiu-jitsu podcast you can visit our website at higherjujitsu.com.au want to be awesome review us on itunes or wherever else you get this from from everyone at higher jiu-jitsu until next time